and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast. Each week, we'll be joined by guests from the financial services world to discuss the most pressing industry issues. I'm Amy Austin, news editor at FT Advisor, and today I will be discussing the FCA's Dear CEO letter to platform businesses with Ben Hammond, consulting director at the Landcat, and Verona Kenny, managing director of intermediary at 7IM. So, well, welcome to you both for joining us today, and thanks for being on. So to kind of get into what we're going to be having a chat about today, earlier this month, um, the FCA wrote to platform bosses raising concerns about the fees charged to customers and some poor tech, like which were leading to delays. Um, so to kind of get started, the regulator thinks that platform fees are not really properly being disclosed, which then makes it hard for customers to judge the value of the products they are then paying for. Um, and they kind of said that, you know, this may not represent fair value, especially looking at customers with different size investment pots and taking into regard platforms role in the distribution chain. So, Ben, um, I thought maybe we can start with you because I know that you slightly disagreed with the regulator's whole stance on fees. Um, yeah, I think overall, you know, what they're trying to achieve is absolutely fine. There was just one line in there about which I sort of partly agree with. Um about them not being properly disclosed um i think most most firms most platforms most you know other firms in our industry do get it right um there's there's always going to be one or two on the edges who are maybe being a little bit less transparent but i think that overall transparency is the is the key thing um it's just the letter maybe suggested there was more than not or or they were um you know focusing on that a little bit too much in my area sorry in my opinion i, I think it's it got a lot better um we still get quite a lot of you know percentage based numbers um and you know there's been a big push to say okay that's fine but then what does that mean in pounds and pence and again that's got much better there's regulations that sort of sit behind all that stuff now um so i think it's it's got better i think it's not as maybe not quite as bleak as the fca fca maybe think um out there um but the other thing is about yeah maybe just being you could be even more upfront and say well here here's a, a one price you'll pay type model might be a net might be a next step as well so perhaps moving away from the percentage or ad valorem based charging and saying you know some more fixed fee type things and i know we've had that a little bit in platforms and it never really took off um, there's not really anything around at the moment but you get quite a lot of that sort of thing in an advisor in the advisor world as well some more sort of fixed fee planning and, and that sort of thing so maybe that's what the fca are thinking maybe that's um, you know where they're where they're trying to push people sure and verona what did you kind of think about their whole opinion on fees yeah, well, I suppose at 7 a.m., we're, we're quite simple folk here and we like to keep it simple. And I think the concern the FCA is, has is there's many different fees and some can apply if there's a full moon and some can apply um, at other times. And it is just about how that's explained to a client. But I think, you know, one of the key points is bringing it to life to a client. And I think this is where the disclosure and the illustrations and the explanation is so important so a client knows exactly what they're going to get charged when. Now, as I just said, we're quite simple folk at um, 7am. We always look at our, our fees. We streamlined our fees in, in February and we basically have one platform fee that covers just about everything. So, it helps me. I only have to remember one set of numbers, um, which, you know, as I said, is great help. Yeah. And how kind of do you think consumer duty has played a role in this? Do you think this is why, you know, 
the FCA has now kind of honed in on this and had a look? Um, or do you think that this was kind of a long time coming anyway? Oh, to be fair, I think consumer duty has brought everything to, to the fore. I don't think that's the sole reason that they're looking at this. But it goes back to not just what the fee is, but how is it explained? How is it, you know, disclosed? which is really leading, can a consumer pick up whatever they're looking at and understand it? And that is the most important question, whether the fee is a sliding fee, an ad valorem fee, a flat fee. You know, it is just about can I understand it easily? Sure. And Ben, do you, what do you think in terms of... Uh, I, I completely agree with that. Um, I think that I think the, sort of the add-on there is is about proving value for money. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. As, as Verona says, you know, the transparency, the, the simple way of looking things, here's a number, you know, it's, it's easy to understand for everyone, you know, customer, consumer, us, the advisor, everyone, but also what are you actually getting for that fee as well? So, again, it comes down to the transparency of saying, well, here's what you're paying. Great. That seems like good value, but is value not cheapest, you know, paying a little bit more for getting a little bit more. But being absolutely clear for the you know the advisor and to the end client what that is 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 overall what's important. So I don't think the FCA are saying you know everything needs to be cheaper. Maybe they are in 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 a way because some things might look a little bit expensive. But you know you know you the, the consumer needs to know they're getting what they pay for basically, and the regulator is there to to make sure that that's absolutely clear and transparent to them. Sure. And how easy do you think it is to kind of like get fees correct? Because we've obviously seen recently you know sjp have come out and said oh we're going to change our fees and you know their their share price like plummeted kind of over the weekend um with this it's kind of you know it's that kind of thing like where what is the right level for your own firm and what people then can understand yeah i think the if we go down the SJP store i think that's that's a whole series of podcasts <laughs> on donating, so we won't go there but i think again it, it it comes back to what you're getting for your money and is it is it value and you know the, the sj if you take the sjp proposition they're obviously doing something right you know it's growing to a, a certain size it's getting a little bit more focus for various reasons at the moment which is which is where all the, the stories and everything have come from um but yeah it's it, there's got to be a mixture of propositions and and you know other areas of the market for for that wide range of wide range of clients that that we have so i think you know everything that people are looking at at the moment cost of living crisis and, and everything else um you know post pandemic stuff there's, there's been a lot of change in the last few years we you know we are where we are with um, you know high inflation and and, and that, all that sort of thing um so people are looking a bit a bit more carefully at, at what they're getting and then again looking at the numbers um, it comes back to the value for for money piece as well, and and ultimately that that's consumer duty, and uh, you know that under, underpins all that. Sure, I'd absolutely agree with that, and I just keep coming back to just make it as simple, transparent, and easy to understand as as possible. Sure, and do you yeah. find do you find that kind of you know clients really have a big focus on fees? Is that kind of something that they would look at? And do you find it sometimes hard to be? as a like a, a, as a platform and as a provider kind of being like you know our fees are x but this is how we provide the value like is it hard to show that or do you find that clients kind of get it no i i think the clients do understand it um hopefully it is because we're putting it in a really clear way 
in uh, both a digital and a, a paper format that people can understand. I think the the challenge, and this has also been part of consumer duty, is it's you know at the same time that a client's looking at the service there that we're providing as a platform, they're also looking at the investment service, whether that is investment management or discretionary management. They're also looking at their advisory costs and also the platform costs, and maybe there's also some other product costs in as well. So the client has to understand you know, I'm getting all of these different services and the different costs associated with each of those. Sure. And just moving on now, um, looking at other aspects of the letter, because, you know, it, didn't, it wasn't all focused on fees. There were other problems in there. <laughs> um, so they kind of mentioned, you know, the whole tech stuff and that maybe, you know, replatforming doesn't always go as well as we think. Um, ben, starting with you, do you think, there are still concerns about, you know, when platforms say, oh, we're going to have a replatform or we're going to change this and whether the kind of unstable tech maybe can hold it. Or do you think we've moved past that stage? I don't think we've moved past it, past it, but we've definitely moved on. Yeah. Um, you know, if, you, if you think back to, um, I mean, I, I, I was thinking about things like TSB and, you know, other you know, more retail focused or maybe, you know, the, the average consumer would would have a lot more understanding of because they're the big high street brands. But certainly in our industry, you know, if you look back to say five years ago and what happened with Aviva and then there's things that's happened with Aegon and Quora, you know, and all the ones, all the replatformings or transformations or whatever you want to call them that have taken a long, long time. I think we've got, we've got better at, at doing that. So, you know, learning from previous um, sort of don't like to say mistakes, but previous issues. Um, you know, that's as long as we're doing that and we're learning from that, I think that's that's going in the right direction. There are still still a few out there. Um, maybe things aren't sort of you know quite going to the timeline and, and and to plan. Um, and the other thing that was in the letter was about you know sort of the operational resilience side of that as well. So it's not just about, and this is another you know another regulatory angle that's been around for a while. But it's not just about big movements of data and bashing two firms together and all the PE money that we're seeing in the industry, et cetera. But it is also about being able to just manage a stable business in a stable way as well. And the technology that underpins that is is going to be a big part of that world as well. So it's not just about the change. It's about once that's done or even starting a new business, how are you running your business in a in an operationally operationally resilient way? So it's it's nice and stable. Sure. I'd back that up. You know, everyone does focus on these big platform migrations and, and everything. But for most firms, that's a point in time. I think actually what's critically important is to make sure that platforms are investing in the operational resilience because that is should be setting up the platform for the short, medium and long term to make sure that there's not things like outages which are unexpected or can't be explained away because they're the things that, um, you know, will really impact an end client. Yeah, because I guess that if an advisor is kind of, you know, midway through something and then the platform's just like, boom, gone, I think I think that's I think that's where the reputational damage comes in more than anything, you know, then they're like, because as we all know, you know, it's, it's made known when something goes wrong with a platform, it's not kept secret. You know, we, we do see it happen, we do... We report on it, for example, you know, we we see it. So how do you kind of deal with that, Verona? Like, what would you say the best way to deal with, you know, these tech issues may be? Yeah, I, I just put it all under that heading of operational resilience because it is sometimes easy that firms may blame the tech, but it's actually, you know, 
Do you have an operating model that has, you know, backup systems that can handle ups and downs in volumes in trading? You know, that's what's really important because, of course, on a Friday afternoon, that's probably the best time that you you don't want to just test your operational resilience. Then you want to test your operational resilience when you know, you know, you're going to have peak traffic, peak volumes to make sure that, you know, you never miss a beat on that. Yeah, sure. And another thing that the kind of the FCA was looking about was um, on like transfer times and why, you know, maybe it can take a bit longer to transfer from one platform to another. Um, Verona, I don't know if you want to kick us off on that one. No, I do. You know, this is something, and I've got to be honest, you know, I'm bored of talking about transfer times. I feel like I've been in the industry so long, like seriously, dinosaurs are walking the earth. And we've been talking about transfer times since then. And I just think, you know, firstly, you know, this is a poor reflection of us as an industry that we've not got our act together on this. You know, I hear some of the transfer times, and as I said, like I'm so old, I don't have time for transfers. I don't have enough, you know, time to worry about the transfers are going to be taking so long. You know, we've got to get our act together. Saying that, we've had lots of initiatives, um, and some of them have been, you know, really gotten behind by the industry. So, for example, we've got Star Star Initiative. It's got 80 members. You know, the end goal is that transfers should be taking place within 14 days. And I just think the whole industry, you know, not going to shout out one provider, but the industry just needs to really get behind that and to reach that goal. And 14 days, that shouldn't be, you know, at Nirvana. We should be striving for it to be even quicker than that. And that's what we've got to be focused on. Sure. Yeah, and I guess that, you know, this is another thing, another reputational risk. Mm -hmm. You know, Absolutely. because when clients want something, they, you know, they want it quickly. <laughs> yeah, and so they should. Yeah. And <laughs> um, Ben, I don't know if you had anything to add on that. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, okay, again, com- completely agree with that. Um, but, yeah, I'd probably add, yeah, it, it, it could still happen quicker because even something in 14 days is not that quick. You know, you could switch your whole current account in much quicker than that. And I know that's a very slick service that's been developed over many years, but... As Verona says, we've been talking about um, you know transfers for, for as long as I can remember, and certainly when there were you know a certain set of rules that came in with RDR and, and, and everything else. But a lot of firms are still kind of pushing back against that, or just haven't got it quite right yet. So I think the initiatives are absolutely good. And say, as you say, Star was mentioned uh, in the DCO letter as well. That there's others out there, such as you know Tysatex and others that have been around for ten plus years. Um, but yeah, you know, you could do a transfer theoretically in, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes if if all the systems are plugged together and all the data is in the right place. That's a, you know, that's probably the best situation. But there's there's pension transfers and others that, you know, you read stories of them being around, you know, six plus months sometimes. And it's, it's, as an industry, it's just not good enough. We, we need to do a lot better. So I think it's it's going in the right direction, but it's it's moving a bit too slowly. The regulator's not got as involved as they could have done to, to date um, there's the investments platforms market study if I've got my florals right that, that came out and there was a lot of drivers there so I think this is the next step to, to push push um, platforms and other firms in the right direction but they might come down even a little bit harder let's let's just wait and see yeah. how the industry responds I think so yeah and do you think the kind of whole naming and shaming in this area works because you know we do get sent you know the lists of this person's the best this person's worst in this month and you know not to 
again, name name any names, but there is one provider that is always at the top of the list. And the day I see that change will be quite welcome. But do you think, you know, that practice does work because a provider will sit back and go, oh, God, yeah, we probably should be quicker then. Yeah, what I would say is that it's really sad that we even have to be saying naming and shaming. Like, as an industry, we should all think that is just so embarrassing that we're at this point. Um, At the same time, you know, we all want to speed up the transfers. So going back to that STAR initiative, so we got a gold award um, for the personal pension, for SIP, for SAS transfers, which is fantastic. But we need everybody to be at that gold standard because otherwise it's like us having the one mobile phone. You know, we need everybody to have, you know, mobile phones so that we can move this data around so that we can do the right thing by the clients. I don't want to be sitting here saying, oh, hooray, we're gold, good on us, if it's not actually helping us because we're trying to deal with that one um, particular firm that you're maybe alluding to that has, um, let's just say, uh, pretty bad transfer times. (laughs) Yeah. And is there was there anything else kind of in the letter of note, Ben, that we should maybe have a look at? Um it's probably covered the main parts. I think there was there was one other smaller bit. Um and probably might have some other comments on this around non-standard assets as well. Um but I think that's I'll say it's not gone away. You still read some stories and there are still I mean it comes back to some of the, the transformations and the replatforming, so to speak. Some of you know the older platforms um, are you know maybe taken on different assets in the past and you know come unstuck on on occasion, but it's it, there's not too much of that sort of thing around at the moment. Um, but again, in, in this day and age and where we are and and everything else, like again, I can see why the regulator is saying whether well, it might be we might be in a much better situation. But we're still getting alerted to things and we're still having to maybe pay compensation that's why they don't the fcs fscs do but compensation to, to certain types of client invested in certain things and companies have gone bust and all that all that sort of stuff so i think they're just trying to sort of you know limit the risk limit the liability there yeah yeah i would agree i would agree with that and remember these non-standard assets especially on sip provider front has been a concern with the fca for for some time and they're doing the recross to to platforms which is the right thing to do yeah and kind of to wrap this up because i think we've kind of discussed the most pressing points here where do you think the fca is going to go with this do you know do you think that platforms are going to be looked into you know a bit more closely now um are they going to be doing you know reviews or was this just a letter to be like look we're aware of this we're looking into it be warned kind of thing (laughs) i don't think platforms have been under the fca radar you know they're rightly pointed out in the letter that um you know we are a really important part of the whole ecosystem value chain whatever we want to call it i think there's over 80 billion that is on platforms, so it's not like we were under the radar. So rightly, the FCA is is, is looking at platforms and will, will continue to do so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I think that's absolutely right. And as we've discussed, I think there's there's two or three particular things they're going to keep an eye on. Transfers being being one of them. Anything under consumer duty, but in particular that value for money or, or fees and charges, and maybe some of the non-standard assets. But I think that's a, a bit of a tertiary tertiary thing for them. But as Verona says, you know, not not flying under the radar, you know, 800 plus billion or whatever, depending on which number you look at as to what's going on. 
and then some of the operational resilience stuff you know anything that underpins that and a lot of issues you know various sort of you know hacking things and cybersecurity issues and that sort of thing that's sort of, again it comes into operational resilience that's all that's all come out a little bit more in 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 recent months as well so i think they're just going to be keeping a very close eye um but then also around some of the funding that's that's in the industry as well um so because you've got some of the amalgamation of platforms and you know the the to, to create these these you know much bigger companies they are you know need to have a lot more resilience and maybe there's higher risk levels there as well certainly gonna you know have the fca have a hotline to the fda with, with what's going on there as well so a lot of, you know every platform ceo i i'm sure it's the same for you bro and every platform ceo i i talk to is like yeah but i, I talk to the fca once or twice a week most weeks because there's always something happening even if it's just the regulator ringing them up for an opinion on what they've heard or something like that so um very much a yeah integral part of the industry now but I think that's a good thing. We want to have that two-way relationship. Mm, completely agree, yeah. Brill. Well, I guess we watch this space and see what comes out next. <laughs> well, Ben, Verona, thank you so much for joining us this week. And tune in next week where we will discuss other goings-on in the industry. Thanks, Amy. Thank you, Amy. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.